Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Welcome back to the Summit for Wellness podcast. We are on episode 21. If you missed last week's episode, we talked with Dr. Al Dannenberg, and uh, we talked all about oral health. Um, He's a periodontist, and over the last five to six years, he has uh, really dived deep into how nutrition and the foods that we put in our body affect the overall oral health. And right now he is actually like 71 years old, so he's discovering this kind of late in the game, but it's never too late because when we think of oral health, not many of the people in that realm are actually looking at this connection between the foods that we put into our bodies and what it does to our mouth. So in reality, even though he's 71 years old, he is way ahead of the game for a lot of people in the dental field, which is really, really neat. That's why I brought him on. So if you didn't get to listen to that episode, go to summitforwellness.com slash 20, and you can listen all about that episode. Now, we have actually received quite a lot of feedback from that episode, and the feedback was, how can we get started eating in this kind of ancestral way? And so that's kind of, that's going to be the focus of this episode, is how can we get started eating the foods in the form that they should be, and how do we make sure that the quality of the foods is what we need in order to improve our health? So we will be diving a little bit deep into this topic, um, and it'll be a great segue into how to get started on your own. And to go along with this episode, I have created a download uh, just with a bunch of recipes to help get you going in the right direction. So the download can be found at summitforwellness.com slash 21 download. And that download is completely free, so take advantage of that while we have it. Now, to know what ancestral diets look like, we have to first define uh, what the ancestral diet is. And some people think it's paleo, which it can be to some degree, but there's really a whole lot of different definitions that it could be. Um, If you were strictly ancestral, then you're looking at indigenous foods that are found in your local area, um, and you're not even branching out too far from those native and natural products. Now, in this time in, of our society, it's really hard to do that. Um, and it's so easy to go and get foods from different regions because you can go to any kind of store and find foods from different regions. So I don't think there's a whole lot of people that are staying that strict with uh, their ancestral diet. I do try to some degree. I do a lot of more farmers markets and whatnot, but that still doesn't necessarily mean that the plants and the products that you are getting are native to that region. Um, A lot of farmers markets are still going to be growing the products that are typically found and are the uh, most popular 
that you can find in stores. They're just usually uh, higher quality and a little bit better for us. So I think in order to uh, uh, define ancestral diet, we kind of need to have a little bit of a loose term for it uh, that's all-encompassing. So I would say an ancestral diet is more of a wholesome food diet uh, with as much organic foods as you possibly can get. And as close to natural as possible. There's been a lot of inbreeding and a lot of uh, cross-pollination of different plants, so we have a lot of different species now than uh, we had in the past. But at the same time, we've also narrowed down the species. So uh, for um, just our agriculture and our crop production, we have tried to create the best uh, sustaining crops possible, and we're losing a lot of different variety. If we looked back in history at our ancestors, hence the term ancestral diet, um, they were eating a lot of more variety of foods than what we eat now. Uh, typically, the average person consumes between 20 to 40 different types of foods now, whereas in the past it used to be upwards in the hundreds up to three, four hundred different foods because they had to rely on the seasons and what was grown uh, more naturally. So uh, they had to just rely on what nature could provide. And then when um, agriculture came around, then things started changing. So to get started with an ancestral diet, we definitely want to look at how to have foods in their most whole form meaning if I pick up a food and there's a giant list of ingredients on the back, that's not what our ancestors ate in the past. So uh, all these different ingredients that you can't even read the names, that is all new stuff that we have added to our foods. Um, so if you're going for that ancestral diet philosophy, you want to actually be able to read the foods. You want to look at the label and be able to be like, okay, this is coconut, and the ingredients in coconut is coconut, not coconut natural flavor with a um, um, little bit of safflower oil and hydrogenated corn oil and um, some corn syrup and sugar and whatever else. You want to actually know what is in that food and be able to recognize it as either a plant or an animal. So that's the first step. Being able to recognize the food that you are putting into your mouth. Now after step one and being able to actually identify the food that we are using or eating, uh, we also need to take a look at whether that food is a processed version of the original form or if it is the original form. So uh, some ideas of that would be like milk, for example. We all know what milk looks like in the store. We see the 1%, we see the 2%, we see the half and half and whatever else there is. But it's very rare that you find raw or whole milk. Um, and over the last 20, 30 years or so, we've done so much processing of the milk and removing of uh, essential parts of the product, such as the fat, that it is no longer recognizable as actual milk. If you actually broke down what's in a 2% milk, you would be surprised at how much is milk and how much is just other stuff added in. And another 
uh, piece of that too is the homogenization and all that stuff that kills all that good bacteria that can be found in that type of product. So now you're removing the fat, you're removing any other probiotics, and you're removing some of the other nutrients because of the heat uh, processing that it goes through. And it no longer becomes the milk that you know our grandparents grew up with. And it's pretty interesting all the processing that actually has gone into the food that we eat now. Um, I'm going to be bringing on a, a podcast guest here pretty soon who is going to talk about the coconut oil industry and the processing of that. And there's a lot of um, stuff about that industry that I didn't even know about and that he's been able to expose and been able to change with the product that they have. So that will be in a couple episodes. But it's even products like that, that there's all this processing that denatures and degrades the products that we are eating. So anytime that a food goes through these different types of processing, we're losing something within that food, whether it's the nutrients or the minerals or whatever it is, we're stripping it of something to make it, um, quote unquote, pure and sanitary for us to eat. And that's really not how our ancestors ate at all. Like, they would pull up stuff from the ground and just start gnawing on the roots and, you know, eat a little bit of the dirt, and the dirt has probiotics in it and uh, or bacteria that helps with the gut bacteria. And um, if there's any bad bacteria at all, their bodies were strong enough to be able to withstand that. And now we don't really have that because we just sanitize the crap out of everything. So it definitely changes the way that we eat. So step two is recognizing whether the food that you are eating has gone through a processing of some sort, whether it's um, uh, pasteurization or a pressing, like a hot press or a cold press or uh, whatever it may be. These are all different ways that the foods can be processed and it can be changed from its natural form. So the people on uh, and ancestral diet, which I'm going to just call AF from here on, ancestral foods, um, they ate more from how nature intended it, and any kind of processing that they did do, they did it by hand. They did it at home, um, so uh, the amount of processing that actually went into these foods was very minimal compared to what we have now with all of our machinery and uh, all the factories and whatnot that we have going on for the food, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, it definitely makes a lot of the processes faster for us. It makes things more convenient. And I'm not saying you have to do that with every single product, um, is to have to do things by hand. But sometimes it is nice just to get your hands a little dirty and to understand how the processing of um, different foods and different products is. Um, and just see if it's something that you notice if there's a taste difference or uh, maybe you get different energy from foods if you start completely from scratch with them. Now, we talked briefly about a variety of food and how we don't have much variety in our diet anymore. And that does play a, a big role in the way our health is because every single food has a slightly different nutritional profile and has different uh, uh, benefits to us. So if we are only eating the same 
20 foods, then we're missing out on different ratios from different plants and animals and whatever products that we have. So uh, our ancestors had so many more options to choose from because, like I said, they had to live with the seasons, so each season was different. They did a lot of foraging in the woods to find different plants, but every type of product that they had had a different nutritional profile. So some might contain a little bit more selenium, some might have more uh, vitamin D in it, some might have more calcium and minerals, and all of it kind of goes together to create you. So if you're having 20 foods and you're having 20 processed foods, uh, which means most of the nutritional content is stripped from it, so you're not getting the actual minerals that you need, you're not getting the correct vitamins that you need, the stuff that you are getting is uh, the manufactured vitamins that are added back into products after some of the processing, which might not be in the perfect ratio for what our bodies need in order to actually function, and then we start running into nutritional deficiencies. And over a long period of time, this can cause a lot of issues. Um, and I think that's part of a lot of the uh, health issues that we're running into now is we have so many deficiencies, but it's like a long-term deficiency. It's happening over a long period of time. So it's these uh, diseases and illnesses aren't manifesting themselves right away. It's just our bodies are breaking down because it doesn't have the proper... Uh, nutrients to rebuild itself the way that it needs to. And so uh, trying to get more variety of food into your diet will at least help with this process a little bit because now you're getting foods with different ratios of vitamins and minerals and other nutrients, uh, which is extremely important for cellular health and uh, gut health and everything that you need in order to fully function. And we've seen this with lots of uh, people all the way up to cancer patients by providing the right nutrients for their bodies to be able to support itself while they're going through treatments is a huge uh, component that isn't being utilized to the best of its ability. And so uh, try and get as much variety as possible. If you find yourself in a rut and you keep having the same foods over and over, which I've done, I've been there too, I know what it's like. Something is simple to cook and it's easy to whip up real quick and it tastes great. Yeah, I'm going to keep cooking it, but after a while, it's not providing all the nutrients that you need, so you can't just live off of that. So get a variety. Go to the store, see what's new, see what's in season, and change things up. And that alone will provide a lot of value to your own health and your body. Now, step four kind of goes hand in hand with step three, but step four is going to be the quality of the food that you get. Um, something that's not organic compared to something that's fully organic from a local farm is going to be much different in uh, overall quality. And we've uh, talked with Joel Salatin about this, just with like something like a chicken egg and talking about the biotin that's in um, a farm fresh egg compared to a commercially raised egg and how it was, I think he said like 1200% greater in a farm fresh egg, which is a massive difference. That's like 
that's not just small digits on a scale. That is exponentially different. And so we see that with food, too. If something is commercially grown and it's on the same soil for a long period of time and they're just growing the same product over and over and they're not cycling through different crops, then what happens is all the nutrients in that soil that's needed to grow that crop is used up. And then we run into issues like we have now down in Florida where all the oranges, which are supposed to be full of vitamin C, we hear about that all the time, no longer have vitamin C because the soil is so deficient it the oranges can't even produce any more vitamin C. So now when you eat an orange hoping to get your vitamin C to build your immune system, and you don't even realize that that orange has been grown on the same plot of land for 30, 40 years and no longer makes vitamin C, that's a problem. Because then we run into the same problem that we talked about with variety of foods in which we aren't getting the nutrients that we need. And also, just because something is organic doesn't necessarily mean that that is totally healthy, too. In order to be organic, you need three components, three main ingredients added to the soil, which is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And so you have those three components that you could just add into the soil and you don't use any kind of fertilizer on your plants and now you have an organic product but it doesn't mean that those plants haven't used up all the other minerals. Maybe that plant no longer carries magnesium. Maybe there's no calcium. Maybe there's whatever it might be. But as long as it has those three um, components in the soil, it can still be considered organic. So there is a difference in the quality of the food that we get, and it's hard to tell what that quality is if we are getting it from a box store. If you go out to your local farmers, then it's easier to talk with them or even go out to their farms and see what they're doing. But, you know, not everywhere is um, or has that ability to be able to go out and see what the farmers are doing. But if you can get in bed with one of your local farmers and really find out all the stuff that they're doing, then you can typically get some cool deals out of them because farmers love what they do as long as they have a reason to do it. And it's all the their customers is what keeps them going, and that's what keeps them waking up early every morning to get out into their fields. So if you're a good customer and if you just help to bring a smile to their faces, then a lot of times they'll help you out too. And they can give you some stuff or give you discounts or whatever it is. So I definitely recommend going out and getting to know your local farmers. The last little bit that we will talk about here is step five, which is making time for your food. And we live in a very fast-paced society now where we don't have time for anything. We're eating on the go. We're eating in the car. We're doing our makeup in the car. We're doing everything super fast, and we never take time to actually enjoy anything. And when it comes down to eating, that actually is a very big problem. Uh, There's a, a system in our bodies called the nervous system. And if the nervous system isn't in the right state of mind, then 
it doesn't turn on the rest and digest system within the nervous system. Meaning if you are on the go and you try to eat, that's not signaling to the body that you're resting and digesting. What it's telling the body is you're on the go, and so the focus right now is not to digest your food. If you don't digest your food, you don't get the nutrients from that food. Plain and simple. So if you are eating on the run, you are not getting the nutrients that you need to create a healthy lifestyle. So whenever it comes to eating, you need to sit down and be mindful of the food that you are actually eating. And that means do not be on your cell phone, do not be on your laptop, do not watch TV, because all of that is distracting your body and your mind from doing the job that it needs to do, which is to digest. Digestion is what gets the nutrients into your system. If you don't digest the food properly and it's going through the system and the food particles are larger than they need to be or they're not broken down, then it can cause damage to different walls and membranes along the system. And then that can also lead to future problems as well. We're looking at leaky gut. We're looking at colitis. We're looking at different autoimmune issues. All of that can contribute to not sitting down and resting and digesting. It also contributes to overly processed foods, inflammatory foods, and other things like that. Um, but it all goes hand in hand. You are more likely to be able to uh, do well on different foods if you are actually sitting down and digesting them. And this is also part of the community aspect, too. I mean, as a society, we always grew up with eating was a social event. We would sit down with family. We would sit down with friends. We would sit down with our tribes and we would eat and talk and communicate and be social with each other, which we're changing the way that we uh, interact socially now by interacting through our phones and we're not actually having face-to-face -face conversations. So uh, just because you're on your phone does not mean that's in a social event. So set the phone down, give yourself 20-30 minutes to eat, have a nice meal with the family, talk about how the day is, and then you can move on to your other things. But it's extremely important to be mindful of the food that you are eating and to be um, present with that food, to taste the food, and to understand that that is what's giving you the nourishment uh, that you need on a day-to-day -day basis. And a lot of times, too, if you're distracted, then you're going to eat more than you actually need, um, or you're more likely to walk around and pick at other foods and um, kind of be like a bird and grab some candy here and there throughout the day because you're not paying attention to the food you're eating. So just be mindful of uh, your meals and um, the food that's on your plate. Okay, so that is kind of just the nitty-gritty version of what an ancestral diet looks like. Um, I would love to hear your feedback on it, especially if you've tried going this route before, uh, what some of your experiences are, um, if you've been successful, what have you noticed with your own health by doing this. Um, and if you're just starting, I would love to hear how starting goes. Um, it's been a long time since I changed my overall diet. It's been about 
five years or so, maybe longer. Um, so sometimes it's hard to remember what it's like when you're just starting something new and, um, yeah, so all that is really good feedback. So you can send that in to me. You can talk about it on our Facebook page. Uh, we would just love to hear from all of you. Now, if you haven't joined our free Facebook group, we do have a free group. Um, it's our Summit for Wellness Tribe group. Um, and if you join that, we're going to be doing a lot more uh, content and stuff within that group. So we'll do like uh, live Facebook lives with Q and a sessions and all sorts of stuff in there. So if you want to jump in and be a part of that and join the tribe, then go to summitforwellness.com slash tribe. And that will take you right to the group. Um, click join and we will let you in and we'd love to hear a little bit about you and, um, where you are at on your health goals. So once you get into the group, introduce yourself, uh, to us and to everybody else in the group and, let us know any questions that you would like answered. And speaking of questions, if anybody has some really good questions that they want to be answered on our podcast, please send that in to me too. Uh, you can go to summitforwellness.com slash question, and that will take you right to a page to submit your question to me, and I can look at having that onto our podcast. Now, for our podcast, we really would like some ratings and reviews to help us out in iTunes. Um, iTunes does a lot of their algorithms based on ratings and reviews. So to get this podcast out to more people, we need more ratings and reviews. So if you can go to summitforwellness.com slash iTunes and leave us a quick rating and review, we would really appreciate that. And then finally, if you haven't gotten your download for this episode, go to summitforwellness.com slash 21 download, and you can get that free uh, recipe guide to get started in an ancestral health diet. So last but not least, we just redid our uh, homepage on our website, summitforwellness.com. Uh, and we are providing more specialized content on there for you. So we've broken things down into optimal health, efficient movement, and increased vitality. And we will be placing a lot of different uh, pieces of our content into those different categories for you so that you can either optimize your health, um, increase your vitality, or make your movement quality super efficient. So go to summitforwellness.com, check that out, see what it looks like, and um, there is a hint on there to some of the upcoming uh, projects that we have coming up. Um, so go ahead and take a look at that. And I think I've dropped enough URLs into this episode, so we are going to close out here, and we will see everybody next time on the Summit for Wellness podcast.